James Paxton and Chris Sale looked great over the weekend, but the major story out of the sweep from the St. Louis Cardinals is that Kenley Jansen did not look like his normal self on the mound. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday and welcome to the Locked On Red Sox podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Nessens Lauren Willand, and I wish I had better news for you this morning. I know that some Red Sox fans are celebrating Ryan Brazier getting designated for assignment, but it comes after the Red Sox were swept by the St. Louis Cardinals at Fenway Park. It was just a very ugly weekend for the Red Sox, and it looked like they were going to take two out of three. They looked like they were going to win the first two games of this series. And I remember Lou Merloni saying before this series started, he said, don't count this as an easy win. You don't want the Cardinals to come in here and take two out of three. And they did one better. They swept the whole dang series. So ugly weekend. And I'm glad that it is behind us. Friday, the Red Sox lost eight to six. Saturday, four to three. Sunday, nine to one. So that was that was the uglier of the three games in terms of offense and offensive output. And just the offense kind of going cold in a time when, They've been a lot of fun to watch. They just couldn't turn it on. But you had Chris Sale and James Paxton on the mound. You had Paxton on Friday, Sale on Saturday. Both looked amazing. And we'll talk about them in the second segment of the show. But Kenley Jansen did not look so great. He was just coming off his 400th career save. Seventh MLB player to ever accomplish that feat. He's feeling good. He's riding a high. He looked like a completely different pitcher Friday and Saturday. He blew two consecutive saves, which you just don't see very often from him. And Friday, I chalked it up to just an off outing, right? It happens to the to the best of us. It happens to the elite of the game. It happens to the best, the worst. It happens to everyone. Everyone always has an off day. He took accountability afterwards. The Red Sox didn't seem worried about him at all. So you just chalked that up to a bad outing, right? But then there was Saturday. And Saturday, I was just... I was cussing at the TV. I was like, how is this happening again? How is this happening for the second game in a row with Kenley Jansen on the mound? And he was hit three times with a pitch clock violation. And it didn't really seem too transparent if you were watching the game in real time. I think that, too, for the fans in attendance, you don't know what's going on. And I would love if the umpires or if there was some sort of way to communicate to fans what was going on because they're left in the dark and yes everyone has a phone they can go on and check but I think I mean maybe that will extend the game a little bit but it just nothing seemed obvious when when these pitch clock violations arose so his violations Jansen's violations were because he was working too quickly which is weird to say against the notorious slowest pitcher in the game he was working too fast against Wilson Contreras. So Jansen received a warning. He's like, hey, you're working too fast. And he's like, hey, got it. And then he was charged with two quick pitch violations. So those are automatic balls. The last violation, though, resulted in Contreras getting the walk. So he was just rewarded a walk after the, the violation. And that ended up being a crucial development. And it ended up leading to a Cardinals rally to win at Fenway. And yes, working too fast. I didn't think we would see this from Jansen, of all people. And this is part of, of the pitch clock. The pitch clock is that new rule. The league issued a memo, I believe it was in March, kind of clarifying that a quick pitch violation would be called if the pitcher started his delivery before the batter was set and alert to the pitcher. 
And this is the rule that played the big role in the ninth inning on on Saturday. And this is from the Boston Globe. MLB's pace of play rules not only dictate the amount of time a pitcher can take to begin his delivery, 15 seconds with the bases empty, 20 with runners on, but also require the batter to be in the box and looking up with eight seconds on the clock. But as the new rules were rolled out in spring training, concern mounted that pitchers would time their deliveries to quick pitch batters before they were ready. Now, I don't necessarily think Jansen was trying to quick pitch Contreras at all. I think he's just he's been working quick and he was feeling good and he wanted to rebound after Friday's disaster. And he unfortunately just couldn't. So I would think that because Contreras was in the box, he had his bat ready in in position he wasn't you know he didn't have it down it wasn't resting on his shoulder Contreras looked ready in the box and Jansen was probably like okay I'm going to throw my pitch but Contreras's feet weren't in the batter's box and I think so that's when Jansen received the warning he was like his feet aren't in the box all right whatever and then with the count all one Jansen was started his delivery with more than eight seconds I think there was 10 or 12 seconds on the clock because Contreras was looking up at Jansen. So it's not like he wasn't he wasn't trying to quick pitch Contreras. He saw that Contreras was looking at him, that he looked as if he was ready. So Jansen's like, cool, I'm going to throw a pitch. But Contreras did not have both feet in the box. So that's why the automatic ball was called. And then I think I think that rattled Jansen because he missed the next two pitches. And then 3-1, the count was 3-1. Saw Contreras looking at him and didn't have both of his feet in the box. And my point of view, I guess, is is that Contreras knows this and he's trying to throw the pitcher off his game, which he absolutely did for Jansen. I don't think there's really any denying that, that once Jansen was called for those violations, Contreras knew he could do this. And it's exactly what he did. It cost the Red Sox a game at the end of the day. There also was a throwing error by Kike Hernandez that we will get into in our second segment. So just a very unfortunate two days for Jansen, he obviously wasn't used Sunday. And even if he was available, I don't know if, if the Red Sox would have gone to him if the if it wasn't a 9-1 game in the ninth inning. But I still don't think there's any reason to worry about Jansen. I think he's done a, a tremendous job adjusting to the pitch clock. I mean, this was the worry about him going into the season was that we weren't sure if he was going to be able to adjust to the pitch clock because he, he said it himself, he works slow. He's one of the slowest pitchers in Major League Baseball, but he adjusted so well. He was, he's was he been great for the Red Sox this season. I mean, he has seventh player in MLB history to get 400 saves. So, yes, it's only his first season with the Red Sox. He did not amass all of those with the Red Sox, but we've seen, I think, a big enough sample size to, to not even have to worry about Jansen, but I think he's going to be more cognizant now of looking at those feet, making sure both the batter's feet are in the, the batter's box, and I love the pitch clock. I'm very pro- pitch clock but I do think there needs to be a few adjustments but there's always going to be loopholes right we saw that the shift kind of loophole in spring training that the Red Sox figured out we saw with the pitch clock over the weekend the loophole with Contreras 100% trying to to get Jansen off his game and it worked it worked in the Cardinals favor they left Fenway Park with a sweep so I just think that especially too with a new rule in the pitch clock there's going to be growing pains there's going to be stuff that that has to be adjusted, whether that's going to be MLB or the players. I don't think MLB is going to budge. I think the players are just going to have to make their own adjustments. I mean, Jansen's not the only one who's been given pitch clock violations. They've happened a lot throughout MLB this season. So it, again, it's it's nothing to, to worry about. I think Jansen will go in, make those adjustments, and just be more aware of the batter's feet going forward because 
it was just a crucial development in Saturday's game. But two pitchers who did shine for the Red Sox this weekend were James Paxton and Chris Sale. We're going to talk about both of them in our second segment of the Locked On Red Sox podcast just after I tell you about eBay Motors because for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head on over to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure that every part you need fits just right the first time around. You won't need to go back to your mechanic. You won't need to order a new part online. You will have the peace of mind that this part from eBay Motors will fit perfectly for your car or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. And when you shop on eBay Motors, you will have that confidence. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and all the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. James Paxton made his first start in 766 days on Friday. This came, his last start came April 2021, and he looked amazing. I think he did everything that he could have done for his first start in very lo- in a very long time. He dealt with Tommy John surgery. He had the lat issue. And he said after the game that he felt like himself out there. And I think that's incredibly important. And I don't think it's something I know it's, you know, that that's what you want him to say. But I think that if he's feeling like him old, his old self, he can 100% help this rotation and be a crucial part to it. So he pitched five innings. He gave up four hits. He struck out nine and only allowed one walk. And he had 10 swings and misses, which according to the Boston Globe's Alex Spear, the 10 swings and misses that he elicited on four seamers were the most by any Sox starter in a game this season. So what a way to make an impact and what a way to kind of make your presence known on the mound. And he could really help this rotation and if he can stay consistent. And of course, that's that's the big if right now. And we want to see this in his next start and his next start after that. But if he does, if he does very well in his next two, three, four starts, who is the odd man out in this rotation? Could be Corey Kluber, could be Nick Pavetta. I think those are the top two candidates, especially after Kluber struggled once again on Sunday. But that is an episode for if and when the Red Sox make that decision. But if you watched Friday's game, I think you're happy with James Paxton's outing. I think you have to be. I think that he went out there and he really looked strong and he looked like somebody who could be a crucial part to this rotation. Sure, you'd like to see him go more innings, but I think that will come as he continues to get stretched out. He hasn't pitched in 766 days in in a big league game. That's a very, very long time to be away from Major League Baseball, from your job, from the mound, from your teammates. And now he's going to get acclimated and get on this five-day schedule, six-day schedule. And hopefully it can all just come up Paxton and he can just continue to look how he did, bring that momentum into his next start. I mean, that's going to spell bad news for one of the starters in the rotation now, but it's a good problem to have, especially when you have someone like Pavetta and Kluber continuing their struggles on the mound. If Paxton can come in here and be serviceable, all right, moving Pavetta or Kluber to the bullpen doesn't really sound all that bad. And then you have Chris Sale because holy cow, he looked like vintage Chris Sale. And I feel like we said that about his last start, but he looked so good on Saturday. It was a beautiful afternoon at Fenway Park. He went eight innings for the first time this season. A starter got an out in the eighth inning for the Red Sox. He gave up three hits, one earned run, and nine strikeouts. So that was very, very good to see. I think that he's had his own struggles. We, we know he's had his own struggles and trying to get back to 
who he was and who he's been. And now we're starting to see a little bit of consistency from Chris Sale. If this could be what he's going to bring this team for the rest of the season, they're going to be in good shape. The starting pitching, I think, has a lot of questions surrounding it right now. But you have Chris Sale looked good. James Paxton looked good. You have good pitchers in there. Brian Bale looked good last week. So you have three really good starters right there. You have Tanner Houck. You have Garrett Whitlock. You have Nick Pavetta and Corey Kluber. I feel like they're all going to be fighting for a rotation spot in the coming weeks, months, days, because this team is getting healthy. And we saw that Ryan Brazier finally was DFA'd by the Red Sox and Jolie Rodriguez will be activated off the injured list ahead of Monday's game against the Seattle Mariners. So they're making their moves. And I think that we, I did an emergency podcast on the, the Ryan Brazier DFA, but I think it was the move that they, they had to make. I think it was the right move to DFA Ryan Brazier. But I also think now it's not, this isn't the last move. They're going to have to make tougher decisions going forward as everyone starts to get healthy. And if Kluber and Pavetta can't figure it out, that's not going to be good news for them. But we've talked about Kenley Jansen and his struggles on the mound. But someone else who continues to struggle at their position is Kike Hernandez at shortstop. And he sat out of Sunday's game. And I think it was just to give him some rest. The Red Sox did acquire Pablo Reyes from the Oakland Athletics minor league infielder, made his debut with the Red Sox over the weekend and can play second, can play short, he can play the infield, and I think he spent a little bit of time in the outfield. But the Red Sox need a shortstop, not somebody who's had some experience, not someone who maybe they could try to move from this position to shortstop. They need a shortstop. And, I mean, this is going to become another mix-and-match, plug-and-play, odd-man-out kind of situation. But during Saturday's game, Hernandez tried to turn a 4-6-3 double play, and it just – it didn't work. The ball off Alec Burleson's bat was a very slow ground ball. And Hernandez, for whatever reason, decided to throw it to first to try to get that double play. But his throw was very errant. It went past Tristan Casas. The runner on second scored and it ended up being the go-ahead run. It looked unlikely that Hernandez would be able to even throw Burleson out, considering how long that ball took to get to Pablo Reyes. That ball was slow. It was taking its time. And... Who knows what would have happened if they executed the play properly. But it begs the question, who is your shortstop here? Because Kike Hernandez now has 10 errors at the position. It's it's not good. And he's an incredible athlete. You know, he's great in center field. He's great at second base. But shortstop, the Red Sox do not have a Major League Baseball shortstop. And this could have all been avoided several different times this offseason. Not even just letting Xander Bogarts walk, but there were other options to replace Bogarts once he signed with the San Diego Padres. So it's it just becomes another question. And Trevor's story is progressing very well. He's hitting, he's throwing, but we still don't know when he's going to come back. We don't have a, a legitimate timeline or a solid timeline on when he's going to come back. And even then, there was there were questions about his arm and his velocity and being able to throw from shortstop to first base. He was really good at second last year, but this goes to show that the Red Sox never really filled the hole at shortstop that they desperately needed to the second Xander Bogart signed with the San Diego Padres. So how much longer do they stick with Kike Hernandez? And I think this is a valid question because he's costing runs and he's just, it's going to get, it has to get into the, his mind and kind of mess up his mental game. But if you move him to center field, then what? Do you take Jaron Duran out of there? Because he's been really, really strong for the Red Sox. He's been great out in the outfield. He's been great at the plate. 
do you sit Kike for a few games? Do you kind of be like, hey, let's just get your mind right. Let's sit you for a few games, get your rest, get your get your head on straight, and we'll put you back. I don't know, where, where do you put him? So it's an unfortunate thing to see because I really do enjoy Kike Hernandez. I think he's a lot of fun. I think that I mentioned that he's a great athlete and we saw that when he moved from second to center field. But moving from second to center field isn't the same as moving from second to shortstop. Shortstop's a difficult position and the Red Sox decided not to not to go out and get a serviceable shortstop. And maybe that's because they knew Trevor Story would be coming back this year. But it's still, even if Trevor Story comes back later this month, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But if he doesn't come back till July, you know, then you're missing half the season. And you could have signed any other shortstop on the market, but they decided not to. So what should have been a fun weekend was spoiled by ugly plays by the Red Sox, offense going cold. But now they have to regroup. They welcome the Mariners for a set at Fenway Park beginning Monday night. And this is their chance now to bounce back to rebound and just to get back in the win column. I'm assuming Kike Hernandez will be back in the lineup. And as this team continues to get healthier, Alex Gore is going to have decisions to make. He already, he is already going to have to make decisions about his pitching staff. But when you're looking at someone who's struggling at short, like Kike Hernandez, is it going to be worth keeping, keeping him out there when he's committing errors, when he's just not, He's just not fit for that position. And i that's not a knock on him at all because we know that he can play center field. We know that he can play second base. Why aren't you utilizing him where he's best fit? And maybe now there's a log jam in that outfield because Duran's playing well. Who's that odd man out out there? I don't know. I think Alex Cora has some decisions to make. Hopefully he makes the right ones. What are those? I don't know, but maybe we'll have some more answers after Monday's game against the Mariners. But we're going to end this show on the Mental Health Minute. It's been um, a little bit since we've done the Mental Health Minute, so we'll do that. And I'm going to be telling you about what my next step is going to be. For today's Mental Health Minute, I just wanted to take a little bit here to kind of talk about what my next step is going to be. We did say see you later to Jake last week as he embarks on a new adventure in this industry. And now it's my turn. In case you missed it, I also announced that I will be leaving the Locked On Red Sox podcast. I will be here through this week, Monday through Friday. I got you covered, the good, the bad, maybe more DFAs. But Monday, May 22nd, will be my final Locked On Red Sox podcast episode that will air here on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. You know the gist by now. But unfortunately, I am leaving. It's been an incredible two years here hosting the Locked On Red Sox podcast. And helping relaunch and rebrand it. You know, Jason and I took over in July 2021, and that team became really fun. And they went to the ALCS, and it was so fun to cover with him. And then Jake came on after Jason left for a new endeavor. And we had to cover a very bad 2022 Red Sox team, but we did it. We still tried to find the positives with this team or with that team. And we did the same with the 2023 team. It was an ugly offseason and some moves. I won't really call it ugly offseason, actually. You know what? That, that's not fair. It was a, a questionable offseason for the Red Sox, but it doesn't seem like it's come to bite them too hard because even though they just got swept by the St. Louis Cardinals, I still think they're a much better team than a lot of people anticipated. But Jake and I had to go through the lockout. That He came on right before the lockout or right after the lockout, and we had to get through that. And every day, you know, we still were coming up with content and people to talk to, guests to come on, and even through all the restrictions, you stuck with us, we stuck with it. And we've been able to get 1000 subscribers on YouTube, which holy smokes, thank you. I never imagined that that could even be possible when we started launching this channel. But 
I am so unbelievably grateful. It's cliche, but it's been an honor and a privilege to cover this team through the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, and everything in between. You guys are so unbelievably loyal, and it's so fun to interact with you and to see what you have to say too and kind of hear your opinions. And you make us think, like, oh, yeah, like that could be a good point or, or that person would make sense for the Red Sox. So it's been so much fun to you know, go through the motions with you in the last two years. And if you saw on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter at La 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 Lauren, then you might have seen that I did announce where I'm moving on to. If I also am leaving my position at Nesson after just over five years and I will be heading to Mass Live. So still plenty of sports coverage from me, you'll just need to go to Mass Live now. Starting May 22nd, I'm going to be their Boston sports trending reporter. I'm going to be helping in their podcast and video content department as well as that continues to grow. So it's a very exciting step for me. It's a new step. It's a new adventure. It's a new challenge. And I was as I was listening to the Stick to Wrestling podcast hosted by my good friend 98.5's Jimmy Stewart, they interviewed Shawn Michaels. And he was like the love of my life when I was four years old. I absolutely loved wrestling when I was a kid. And they interviewed him and I tuned in and he said, if you're standing still, you're getting passed by. And no, he wasn't talking about journalism or anything like that. But that really resonated with me. And I kind of felt like that maybe I have been standing still for a little while now. And I was ready for a new adventure and I was ready for a new challenge. And that's what Mass Live is going to give me. I am so honored to have been part of Nesson's coverage, World Series, NBA Finals, Super Bowls, Stanley Cup Final. I covered Irish hurling. There were so many times I was pushed outside of my comfort zone and I was able to you know, come out on top. I was able to come out a, a better writer, a better person and better prepared five years later for this role that I'm going to be taking at Mass Live. So you'll still be able to find all of my coverage there. It's also very bittersweet to leave Locked On. It's been so fun to cover a team I grew up loving. I became a Red Sox fan when I was like three or four years old, and I never stopped loving them ever since. And it's been so fun to grow up as a fan and then go into this profession and go in as you know, a non-biased person, even though I'm always going to have biases. I think no matter what team you cover, there's always going to be some sort of of bias there. But I know that I'm not here without the listeners. I'm not here without you, the everydayers. Even if you came to listen to one episode, two episodes, 10 minutes of an episode, or if you listen every day, I'm not here without you. I'm not here without the support. I'm not here without the interaction. And I'm I'm just not here if Locked On didn't take a chance on me as well. I could stay on here and make some, you know, long-winded speech, but I just wanted to shout out a few people. I want to thank Jeff, our channel manager. He took over for Sean, who was the channel manager of MLB. He's now the NHL channel manager, but he oversaw MLB when I came on. And you know, he he's the one who hired me. He took the chance on me, and I'll never be able to thank him enough for doing that. And same with Jeff when he took over the MLB channel, just being able to talk to him. He's always available, and he's always – he sits there, and he gives you – incredible feedback to help make all of our shows better and he doesn't have to do that but he takes time out of his day and when I tell you this feedback you know it's not just like two words there is it's so thorough and it's something that was truly helpful in helping build this podcast even further you know Sully from Lockdown MLB I've known him for about 10 years now and 
He helped get me in the door as well. Gabrielle, who used to host the Locked On Red Sox podcast before Jason and I took over. She also put in a good word for me. Jason and Jake, they were incredible co-hosts. They were great friends. Still are. I'm not, <laughs> this is not in the past. They're still good friends. And I'm really excited to see Jason now out in San Francisco covering the Bay Area sports. Jake, I'm so excited for his next endeavor with DraftKings. And I know that this is just the beginning for him. Any single guests that we have had on this show, we've had a lot. I think Jake put out a graphic recently last week about all the guests that we have had on. And it was it's incredible to see how many guests that, that came on. And Jake did a lot of that legwork. So shout out to Jake. Shout out to all of our guests. And the biggest shout out, of course, is our listeners because we are not here without you. You tune in every day. You go through the same motions as we do and you help us think maybe a bit more critically or maybe you help us think of something that we weren't thinking of. It's like, oh, maybe this person would make sense for the Red Sox or maybe they should move this person here. I'm so grateful for the people who have constantly tuned in. Johnny, Dennis, Bud Sox, Joseph, all of you. I see your comments and I'm like, it's not an episode if one of them doesn't comment. Like, where are they? They are our everydayers. You are our everydayers. We're not here without you. This podcast does not exist without the loyalty and the listenership of everyone who's tuned in for one episode, everyone who tunes in every day. I'm so grateful. I think that's the best way to describe it is that I'm so grateful. And to my time at Nesson too, I'm, I'm, I cannot put into words how grateful I am that they took a chance on me. And I was just a blogger when they found me. So I was, they did take a chance on me and I feel like I made the most of my opportunity there. And I'm so unbelievably grateful. I'm just full of gratitude today. And I think that's a good thing to have on a Monday, but, but thank you. I am here all week. So this is not goodbye yet. It's not going to be goodbye next week either. Like Jake said, it's going to be see you later. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode of Locked on Red Sox for the everydayers tomorrow. Let's hopefully talk about a win in a series against the Mariners. It begins Monday night. Let's start this series on a high note. I would love to have a very positive final week of the Locked on Red Sox podcast. Find us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast is where you can find us. Also chat with us on Twitter at LO underscore Red Sox. And then me, La 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 Lauren, three laws, Lauren with four R's. Don't forget to check out all the other Locked on shows across the network. Locked on Astros, Locked on Mariners, Locked on Blue Jays. Everyone does such a great job bringing you baseball content Monday through Friday. We will see you tomorrow. We're crossing our fingers that this losing streak comes to an end and the Red Sox can get back on track. But until then, we'll end this show how we always do. Keep the faith and let's go Red Sox.